0: What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the White Tail Bloodline podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Sodders. This is episode 91, and this is going to be a good one. Got my, my good buddy Andrew Fitzgerald. What's going on?
1: What's going on, pal? How are you? Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, man. Me and you've been talking a lot. We're going to actually do some hunting together this year, and been talking about doing this podcast, and we finally got an evening, so I'm excited.
1: Yeah, yeah, just busy schedules, but uh, I'm glad we set time aside for this one for sure.
0: Yep, yep. So uh, this can be a a good one, just talking about you, and uh, I'm sure there's gonna be quite a bit of public land hunting because you're you're a diehard about that, and I started last year. So we'll talk about that. But first of all, for the listeners who don't know who you are, let's just start off with that a little background on who you are, like where you're from, and kind of how you got into like whitetail hunting, and hunting in general.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, well, like like I told everyone, you know, Andrew Fitzgerald, I uh, I grew up on the East Coast, um, you know, in New Jersey. I uh, kind of hunted New Jersey, Pennsylvania, New York, you know, these areas for the better part of my, you know, uh, young younger hunting career. Um, mm-hmm. I uh, I kind of got into it, uh, man. I mean, I I've been punking squirrels with BB guns for as long as I can remember, but. Um, you know, once I, I, I got into the whitetail woods, probably right around the age of 10, 11, um, you know, uh, same, same, a very similar story. You know, my dad was a, a big, big, big deer hunter and, uh, you know, he took a step back from that when he had kids and all. And, um, uh, man, I was just ate up with all the pictures and all the, you know, the VHS tapes that he would show me. And, and, uh, I guess one day I just nagged him a little too much and he finally got me out and. You know, uh he's the one that created this monster, so
0: yep, um, yep. same same with my dad, man. Like who knows what we'd have been doing if we didn't get brought up into the outdoors and white to hunting, or hunting in general, you know.
1: Yeah, no, and, and I got a I got a ton of buddies that um that, you know, went down the wrong paths and you know, I, I I probably don't thank him enough for for keeping me on the right ones, him and my mother for uh keeping me on the right paths and on the mm-hmm the straight and arrow, because, you know, as much as I thought they were uh, a pain back then, you know, they, they probably saved my life a few times, so.
0: Oh, yeah, it's it's kind of funny, the older you get, I just turned 29, I went down the wrong path a little bit, I was just partying too heavy, that's the only time I ever, like, slowed down, I've always been a white tail hunter, I always got there, but for a couple of them years in my early 20s, I was slacking and realized, yeah, that's not the way to live, so finally back, and. More ate up with whitetails than ever. And honestly, the happiest I've ever been chasing whitetails and, like, making that my biggest passion, you know?
1: For sure. Yeah, this is um, – this year is going to be my 16th year, huh? Um okay. I mean, I, I guess that's, like – that's, like, uh, you know, from when I got my license. I'd say from, like, serious serious, like, you know, since I've been by myself. Um, probably going to be – I don't know, probably, like, year eleven. 12, like, bought hunting by myself, serious.
0: Um, yep. so, you so, know, I'm how old were you when you like, uh, so you hunted with your dad, I'm guessing, for a few years. Would would you like sit with him, or would he just like kind of sit you close to him?
1: Well, funny, we the first hunt we ever went on, um, we sat in a ground blind together, and uh, I took a poke at a deer at 30 yards that I, you know, I made a million times on a target before that, and I shot probably I don't know two feet underneath him, yeah, and yeah. Uh, from that moment on, I just felt like at that moment you know he was kind of like I don't want to say chirping in my ear but trying to teach me on the fly too a little bit at the same time because you you know how it is you can never prepare for this so yeah um <clears throat> I uh, <clears throat> you know I I missed and after that season I I might have been eleven or twelve I was like man I I want to help by myself mm-hmm. um. You know, I, I feel like the only way I'm going to learn is by myself. So a couple of times he would drop me off and, you know, or he'd sit real close by and kind of, you know, always keep an eye on me. And um, that following year, that opening day, man, I missed three doge, uh in the course of the day. And uh, the last night the dough came out and I, I smoked it. And then that was, uh, that's where I, like, that was like the beginning. Like I did it by myself. I was... You know, no one was with me to hold my hand. And um, that was a big turning point for me. That's where it was like, okay, I really like this. And then that happened. And it was like, yeah, I'll, I'll never not, you know, kill for this. I'll, you know, I'll yep. be made up with this forever. And so th- there, was, there was that turning point, you know, when when you're a, a child and you just kind of, you might be in a phase of loving something and you might be in that same phase of hating something. Not that I ever thought I hated it, but. You know, yeah. you just don't know what you like or you, you don't like when you're a kid. And then when I finally did it and, you know, I kind of did it by myself and all that. Um, yeah, that was that was all she wrote for that one that,
0: you know, yeah. turned me yeah. into
1: the to the guy I am now. Yeah,
0: if I grew up the same way, like Indiana, I lived here. This is my second time living in Indiana. I moved to Virginia in between, so I was probably hunting from like oh, eight, eight years old or something. I can't even remember. I was hunting with my dad from... Like my first memories, like before I can even have memories, that's like some of the first ones I have was hunting with him. And I think first time I sat alone, I was 10. I remember sitting with like an old muzzleloader, but when I was 11 years old, we moved to, or I was 10 years old, we moved to Virginia. And then I was 11 that next deer season, killed my first deer with a crossbow with my old man on opening day that next Friday, hunted solo and shot my first buck. And then ever since then, I've never hunted with anybody else. I've been solo since I was 11
1: yeah you know it's it, not to get off topic here. we were just talking about wormholes, but not to get off topic, but you know i I actually saw a video the other day my uh um a friend sent me and he said that you know I, this sounds like you and your dad, and it's like you know you all you ever do is beg to you know finally go out by yourself and do it by yourself, and then you soon to realize that once you do it once by yourself, you almost never do it again with with, with that you know with that person again so you know there yep. are times that I do make exceptions and Uh, i'm a big alone guy i move around a lot me and my dad we hunt polar opposites these days we don't we don't hunt the same kind of terrain the same methods um we don't really believe in the same stuff and we we both still get it done but you know Mm -hmm. we both set aside a couple days where we'll we'll sit up in uh in you know the our tower blind and you know it's more of a joking thing and man we we damn near never kill a deer when we're sitting together but it's just (laughs) fun you know it just brings us back to to when I was just a, a little guy and us getting us getting just out in the woods. Because, you know, a lot of people forget that that's what it's all about. So
0: Yep, exactly. That's one, that's one goal for me. Like, one of my main goals for Indiana is I'm not hunting the public. Like, last year I was diving into some Indiana public and had some good bucks. But my parents are going to end up selling our family property in the next couple of years. So I want one good full year of going all in on it. Like, not worrying about hitting public or checking trail cameras on public, putting all my – my time in this, and with that, a goal is hunt with my old man, because I haven't hunted with my old man in at least ten years. Like you were just saying, it's uh, yep. that's a goal of mine. We got some bucks. Like he's not as picky as me. He don't have the time. He's old. He's gotten some put his body through a bunch of stuff, so he can't get out there as much as he wants to. But we got a few good bucks, a couple good management bucks to take out. So that's my goal. Hopefully get him out there early season when it's not too cold, and uh hopefully smack one of these bucks with him, because he hasn't killed a buck in a while either. So that'd be just awesome to get him out because he's he's almost 60 he's he ain't got a whole lot more hunting left in him
1: yeah it's it's one of those things that you you'll you'll cherish forever those moments you know i i i think about it almost every time i walk into the woods you know all the different things i could have done in life and luckily you know this is what i'm doing and you know i work real hard at it and i i man i just I try so hard. And then, you know, like, I, I get my wife into it now. And mm-hmm. I never understood the feeling when my father would take me out in the woods. And, you know, he wouldn't bring a weapon. And I'd be like, well, you can't kill one if you don't have a weapon. And he's like, God, you'll you'll understand one day, you'll understand this feeling one day. And I used to think he was crazy. You know, I, I'm gonna be honest, up until just a couple of years ago, I still thought he was crazy. But yep. what, once you're doing it for someone else, and with someone else, and you know, that, that special person you care about, it's like, nothing else matters, you know, shooting a deer don't matter anymore to you. And so, uh, you know, I, I see where he comes from now. It, it's it's a special feeling, you know, getting someone you love and care about involved in it. And yeah. uh, as much as I love going with my wife and I love going with some buddies, I mean, my, my father always holds a special spot in my heart for, for those, uh, you know, 20 feet up moments, you know?
0: Yep, so that's the same with me. My old man, he he gave me a passion, and he just luckily he let me hunt the way I wanted to because even me being the way I am, taking my oldest nephew out, I got him his first deer, his first buck, his biggest buck last year. And just being with him, because he shot like a three-point like two years ago, and I'll have to send you the video. I've never been more jacked up in my life, dude. Like I was like fired up when he shot this spike. It dropped right in front of us. It was like youth weekend. And it's just, you're right, it's it's definitely more special. And even, like, i got quite a few buddies around here that are diehard and bottom hunt public, and you're, obviously when you're hunting public, you're not hunting real close a lot of times, so they need some help. And, dude, I love that just as much as almost, I wouldn't say quite as much, but just shy of just as much of, like, being there for their bucks. Like, when we went there and he shot his biggest buck, my buddy Parker, Swan Bros, give him a shout-out. He was like a mile back. And then just being there for that whole thing with all of our buddies and then a uh, quarter him out and taking him out there, it was just, it was awesome. There's nothing like that camaraderie. And that's honestly one of the main reasons I started the Whitetail Bloodline, because I was losing that. I used to be in Virginia and we had a hunting club and big camaraderie, but the past 10 years, I've just been hunting solo for the most part. So that's why I like talking to guys like you and uh, meeting up with guys like you that we're going to do this season. That's what it's like hunting's all about. It's, it's not about the killing. It's about the journey.
1: And it, and it truly is, and you know you get a lot of people on on the social media, you know the the, the finger warriors that that like to type out all these uh, crazy messages to you. But you know I post a lot of my trail cam pictures, and that's <clears throat> that's a true um, <clears throat> excuse me. That was that's a true passion of mine is like locating yeah. deer. And I and I know we'll get into that, but you know to hint at it, locating deer is a true passion of mine. It's almost like a cat and mouse game because. In, in my eyes, if I can find one and I can figure out a routine, he's, he's a dead deer. So to yep. me, like, trying to find that next biggest one or that next coolest one, um, it, it, it really is, like, a true passion for me. So I really love that feeling of, like, you know, I I, I almost enjoy seeing people, like, talk down to it because I love, like – I love going back to my buddies and being like, man, look, look at this guy. Like, he has no idea all this crazy hard work that me and you put in for this. deer. like, you know, yeah. and it's just fun. You know, I, I, I try to keep it fun. And, you know, there are times where you get serious. And it's a, you know, it's a serious sport. But, um, you know, I, I think an important thing is that you got to keep it fun. You got to Because you, you can lose your mind real quick in a deer season
0: if oh, you yeah. get
1: too and wrapped up.
0: <laughs> last year was the first year I'd say – I I got burnt out deer hunting last year, dude. By far the most I ever hunted, and by the time at the end of season, man, here in Indiana, I'm like, dude, I don't even want to go hunting anymore. I've been putting in so much time, and it's hard to 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 keep that. But yeah, man, there's nothing like trying to figure out like a certain deer's movement, and it's 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 pretty wild how just like different scenarios will teach you so much. Like hunting public land that Kentucky property, we're gonna hunt. Just scouting that, the amount I learned from that is like tremendous. But then you look at it on the whole other spectrum of where my family property is it's a 27 acre property it's super small and it just doesn't have a whole whole lot going on luckily the crp is getting taller and stuff and it's getting better and better every year but one thing i've found pretty crazy about like locating these bucks you can move a trail camera 100 yards or 50 yards or even turn that camera facing the other way on that same tree and you'll get so many more pictures that's one thing like i just posted yesterday i moved a camera for a spot i know they go through and uh, I was like, "Yeah, they'll probably go through here forty five minutes later, like my number one or number two biggest buck I have on the property went right through there. It's just sometimes you get stuck in your own ways, and that's one thing I made sure I'm doing on this property this year is not leaving a rock unturned,
1: yeah, yeah, no, for sure i um <clears throat> I tried not to do that with any piece that I go on i mean i I hunt a ton of public I mean, I sat over seventy hunts last year, um And every piece that I hunted, you know, had hours and hours of e-scouting into it. It had, you know, miles of boots on the ground and, you know, you know, as little as to just getting down low to a deer's eyesight, like you said the other night to, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe even climb it up 40 feet up in a tree just to get a better visual. You know, you gotta know it all. You gotta, every little acorn that's around, you know, everything, you gotta just know it and, and, um, I take great pride in that. I take a lot of pride in doing that. And, you know, a lot of people think that, you know, the first thing they say is all oh, that, you know, you're only getting all those pictures because you're on private. And it's just like, well, you know, I, I take a lot of pride in that I, I get super offended by that sometimes because I put a lot of work into into what I do and, and the craft that we're, that we're trying to perfect, you know. So um, yep. I, I, I truly enjoy that aspect of it.
0: Yeah, and one thing I would say, honestly, that's a little overlooked about public. Like, don't get me wrong. You get states, even probably more where you live, I bet there's a lot more pressure on public. But one thing I do when I'm sitting on OnX, even before I go scout, I'm looking at a property the average guy is probably going to overlook. That's one thing I've started doing. And uh, that Kentucky piece that, I mean, you've talked about, that gets less pressure, like, on the surrounding areas or even on, the like, the property than my 27-acre piece of private does. I'm more, I'm more pressured – around here on my private than I am public and that's not the case for most spots but I would say just about every piece of public has a couple of those little spots that don't get pressure and I know I've heard you talk about that and I think that's one of the one of the more important things like sometimes don't get me wrong these bucks are smart and they'll bed close to parking and stuff but a lot of the time them big bucks are just going where nobody goes because they don't like getting messed with when they get to that old mature age
1: yeah no that's that's definitely for sure um they're um they're, they're definitely I'm trying to find the words here, but it, it's in New Jersey, it could be a little tough because there's a lot of guys and not a lot of land. It's yeah. it's built up a lot in New Jersey. So it, it you will definitely, you could definitely find some areas in Jersey where, you know, there's just no people there. That's for sure. You're going to walk a ton and you'll definitely find those areas. There, there's no doubt about it. But a lot of what you see is you're actually patterning the people because a lot of these guys out here you know guys that come from new york city and you know they jump over the border real quick and go try and shoot a deer just you know to do it or you know whatever the case is or you know your weekend warrior guys so a lot of the times the best way to be successful in new jersey is figuring out the people and not the deer because once you figure out the routine of a guy the deer almost comes easy because you know, they, they can only go so far before there's no more land for them. So they're going to stay on that. That's the one best part of that is that they're going to stay on that public land. And, you know, you just got to figure out, okay, well, this guy comes on Monday. This guy comes on Thursday. You know, yep. they walk here and this guy walks here. So they you know, there's got to be somewhere in this area and you start patterning, you know, these guys almost. And believe it or not, I actually have trail cams out just to, just to, reassure that I'm correct with my patterns on people. Um, because in some states, like, like I said, like New Jersey, um, you do have to, you know, to shoot good deer and to get on real good deer around here. Um, sometimes it takes being a little nutty like that.
0: Yep, 100%. Yep, that's, because last year was my first year. Like, the year before, I, I scouted public with a buddy and filmed him. The last year was, like, my first year me diving into public, like, scouting for me to hunt. And it's a whole different ballgame. Like, when you're scouting for somebody else, like, you're scouting hard. Don't get me wrong. But when you're scouting for yourself and you're trying to put a deer down, it just puts you on a whole another level. And that's, that's 100% true. And I learned from these Kentucky pieces hunting that your average guy is probably not even walking three, 400 yards. At least. On, yeah, a my, lot of them. Yeah. Yeah,
1: a lot of them. And, and a lot of what you see around here. And this kind of goes for a good bit of Pennsylvania, too, as big of a state as it is. Um, we, you know, we get stock birds over here, stocked pheasant. so okay, yeah. uh, you know, since the average guy is pretty lazy, um, your pheasant fields are right next to the parking lot. And mm-hmm. so a lot of the early season, all you see, I mean, I could show you a map and tell you, you know, without ever walking on the piece and tell you you know a good idea of where all these guys are gonna be because yep. you know it's predictable. It's predictable because everyone sees a field and they think of you know the midwest and they think of a 170 walking out onto this field, you know, at five o'clock in the afternoon, first week of the season. And that's just not how it is here. I mean, I everyone that I come across on public, I try to educate them a little bit. And I try to tell them, listen, you can continue walking here. It's public land and nobody's going to stop you. But my suggestion, I've had a camera in there for the last two months. And, you know, I don't walk in there. I let it sit there. I don't touch it and he said why you gonna ever know what's there and i said no that that is from the following year i know what's there from the following year and i know he'll still be there cuz that's why he's as big as he is yep. so you you got to trust that mother nature and these animals are like people and they do do human like things and they do keep routines mm-hmm. and they're not going to leave you just the best the best way that I try and figure out white tails in New Jersey. Now this varies greatly outside of New Jersey. Um, <clears throat> but the best way is that I try to talk to these guys and, you know, on the public, I try to get on the same page with these guys, and most of them don't, but you get a few guys that buy in. And then, you know, I'll see them two, three weeks down the line. He's like, Yeah, I just killed the good one, you know, I killed that one. So you you know, you get these guys to buy in, and just even that, hearing that is uh, enough for me it. it's enough to know wow you did
0: a good thing here so yep yep i'd agree with that for sure it's just, but most of the people i ran into public are cool and they'll talk to you and it's kind of funny i'd say 90 percent of the guys i talked to last year were new hunters which is cool it's like they're basically i think i probably talked to five or six guys on that one piece couple out-of-state guys were a little bit more diehard but your local guys that were from the area like most of them just started hunting so it was cool talking to them and i I was the same way trying to give them a couple pointers i'm like i'm not going to tell them everything you know i mean i'm putting too much work but yeah it i think that's the most important thing man is like you can help people without like hurting yourself too like you were saying
1: for sure and and you know what this sport's super hard i actually had this conversation not long ago but this sport is hard. It, it's not just hard killing a white tail because of all the practice. It's hard getting on a white tail. It's sometimes hard just seeing a white tail in some areas. So, yep, it, it this is a hard thing to do. So I tell everyone, listen, I'll try and help you as best as I can because you know what? Just like my father, you could only tell so much before you just have to go and do it and fail a little bit. And if I can help one guy fail a little less then you know what? I, at the end of the day, I'll always go find deer. I'll go to any state, anywhere. And you know what? I'll find deer somewhere. So if some guy happens to, if he feels the need that he really has to hunt on top of me, I'll let you have it be my guest. I'll go find (laughs) another deer, but I mean, I'll help you. You know, you don't have to go down the lengths of, uh, you know, disrespectful, because I have had that a few times this year, but, um, we don't have to go down those bad roads and burn bridges because I'll help you. I don't mind. I'm a very yep. generous guy.
0: Yeah, but I think there's a, there, there's also just common courtesy, man. Like, a couple of times this year, I had a buddy, he tagged out. He went. He was hunting turkey turkey in Kentucky, and you can only kill a turkey off, like, certain pieces of public. You know what I mean? It's like each section, you can only kill one off, so then you have to go to a new section. He didn't know anywhere else turkeys were, so I was like, go hunt that place. I hunt whitetails, and one reason I let him go hunt it and told him about it because he helped me drag my buck out so he's like one of the few people that know where my honey hole is but short story he was walking out there and some old guy was just following him trying to get in between him and the turkeys he was calling at. and uh that's where the common courtesy you can't be that big of an ass you know what i mean you got to like yeah. respect other people and that's one thing I've, I've noticed some people are just like i don't know if they just don't know better or they just don't care and they're just an ass you know what i mean
1: no, for sure, and you know what I'm gonna be honest with you, brother? Some guys just they just don't care. That's just how that goes. Some guys just don't care, but that's the unfortunate part about it i mean every every career, every sport, every hobby, you know there's always that guy that they just don't care, so
0: yeah, yep.
1: yeah,, I just laugh at him and just work a little harder. That's it, all you can do right, brother,
0: yeah, exactly, so uh yeah, we're gonna we'll get into some stuff, but what would you say was one of the things that like was a turning point for you that like changed your whitetail career to like, I'm all right, I'm going to go a little more diehard. I'm going to take this more serious. Like, what do you think was your thing? Like for me, honestly, was like the hunting public guys opened my eyes a bunch, which I think that was for a lot of people. It's just, they made hunting like public land seem feasible and they're like, Oh, they can do it. Like they're doing it. I can do it too. So that was honestly one of the things that opened my eyes and I started studying more, watching more videos and stuff. So honestly, I would say for me, not only, I just wanted to, for one, have a longer season and I'm working class. I, I work a 10 hour day job. So you, I don't have a lot of time. Sometimes I get days off. And, but where I'm at in my career, I don't want to go do a whole lot of door knocking searching for these giants. My thing is just like finding a good piece of public land and trying to kill like a top 10% buck off that. So what was kind of your thing that got you serious?
1: Um, what got me serious, and, and don't get me wrong, the Hunting Public guys, I mean, they do an incredible job. I they are they are incredible guys, and I'm gonna say they have brought them alone have probably brought the numbers up in hunting the hunting world so high just by showing people how accessible it is, honestly. True, yep. um, yep. they do such an incredible job. So, I, I mean, I don't know if they'll ever listen to this, but if they do, listen. <laughs> Huge shout-out to them, guys, because they, they, make it, they make it fun. They make it accessible. They are so knowledgeable. Um, they are very open guys. So, but with that yep. being said, my turning point for me um, was actually hunting mule deer in California. And, really? Uh, you know, I didn't have private out there. I didn't have private out there. I had um, only public. And, you know, you're hunting these large acreages of land. And out there, I couldn't find a guy that would ever help me. So it, a lot of it, and that's all new to me when I moved out there for work. You know, I'm back on the East Coast now. But when I moved out there for work, that was all new to me. You know, hunting a mule deer with a bow in the desert was all new. So, oh, yeah. um, it, it, you know, And I couldn't find a guy to help me because, you know, the deer out there, the numbers are just lower. It's tougher. It's harder. So I couldn't get any help. So what I just kept doing for an entire season, I went out almost every day. And I would just look and scout and try hard. And, and I just wasn't coming up with any luck. So one day what I did is I just told myself, all right, I'm going to get up five o'clock in the morning. I'm going to go walk. And I'm not going to stop walking until I find a deer, until I kick one up. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to find, I'm going to kick one up, find him and follow him and figure out why he's going to where he's going and why he's doing what he's doing, why he was bedded where he was bedded. And that's what I did that day. And I followed a real good buck. And I just followed him. I think I followed him for six miles and I just kept slowly bumping him and just Real. seeing where he went, why he was doing why he did it. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't even think I had my weapon in my hand. I just hey. think I, I just wanted to figure out the why's. And when I went home that night, <laughs> it was like a light switch. Gavin. It really truly was. It was like switching a light where I was just like, you know, I need to stop. Wondering how to kill animals and I need to start asking myself why just the question why why is that buck there why is he traveling this route why is he entering and exiting here and you know what once you start asking the question why that's mm-hmm. where that's where the fun begins because I feel like if you're not asking these questions yourself you're, you're not truly ever in the game it's just a big yep. guessing game because anyone could go in the woods. A first-time yep. hunter, which you know, it happens often. A first-time hunter can walk into any public piece and shoot a shoot a 150 glass booner, but he's got no idea what he's doing. And and is that truly fun? Is that why we're doing it? Are we doing it just to kill? Of course not. You're doing it for all of it, and I believe that that's a huge part of it. And so that's what started eating me up. Was was more of Figuring out why deer do what they do. And so when I moved back to the East Coast, I really took that and I ran with it. And I, I, instead of, I, cause I always used to avoid hills and mountains on the East Coast for whitetails. Mm -hmm. And so one day I was just like, you know what? I I never walked up this hill. So let me go walk up there. First time, you know, I I walk up there and there's a, there's a bench in the middle of this hill where they you a little carved out spot. And there was a giant bed with a huge scrape and a rub in it. I was like, "Why? Why is this here?" And then I thought, "Well, the sun's to his back, in the you know middle of the day. The there's a creek at the bottom, so thermals are rising and pulling down, and the wind is perfectly in his face. Why wouldn't he be here?"
0: Yeah, and and I like, you know, I like that know lot. Uh, the why. That's it, yep. I'd say that's honestly. The same thing for me, when I started getting serious, it's probably more so because I was just thinking of all the whys like you're talking about.
1: And, and it's a real thing. And I'm sure that's a lot of people's switches. And, I, and it might sound a little stereotypical, but it really became the whys. And then I took it to a new level where just seeing certain deer wasn't enough for me anymore. It was, okay, well, I, I've already seen this deer. I have passed on this deer. I, I, I'm wondering why there's not a bigger deer here. Or if there is, where is he? And -hmm. then it really started escalating my level um, to, uh, to that diehard level uh, of, you know, really chasing a a certain class of deer. And I, when I say a certain class, I don't want your listeners to get the wrong idea because it's not a certain antler class. It's a certain age class, because there's an age class out there where that magic, like five, six year old, where you chase that deer, and man, could that deer that that deer just be so tough? I mean, there's not a more resilient animal in the world than the white-tailed deer. And when you get him at that five-year-old mark where he's at his his smartest um, and toughest to kill, it, it is fun. It is just truly fun when you start asking yourself all the whys, and then yep. you start mixing in, you know, old mature deer. So that's where I that's where I started getting real, you know, like real crazy with it, and uh, <clears throat> I, you know, hunted a new piece out in North Dakota, a spot I never went out there, you know, never hunted before, and I started asking myself why, you know, I'm seeing all these deer, but I'm not seeing mature bucks. Well, okay, well, go dive into this little drainage ditch. And, and my thought was, I, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't know what drainage ditches really were. I've never been up that way a whole lot, and I've never hunted them. We don't have stuff like that in Jersey much. and So I walked into a drainage ditch, and I just kicked out a giant buck. And I was like, huh, why is he here? And my thought was, well, there's no woods around here, obviously. So he's using this, as his bed. It's the same yep. as a thicket that you would find in New Jersey. Yep. And then the next day, I hunted it and shot, you know, 140-inch nine-year-old deer and to me it was like okay there it is now i figured it out i you know not figured out all of hunting but i figured out what really really eats me up and you know what we're what we're working towards now and you know where we're where the stands are set but i'd say that, that that's which probably hit me right around like that whole california thing that probably hit me right around age 19 i'm 25 now turning 26 that probably hit me right around 18 19 and I was always a curious kid. My mom always said I was always a curious kid. And uh, I think I've taken that to a whole new level because I, I just, I can't help but ask the whys all the time. And, and you know what? I feel like it truly does help.
0: Yep. And I think that I know you're a big trail camera guy like me, and it's, it goes with it. I think one of the most overlooked tools that gets used more than anything is trail cameras. I think people use a trail camera, they get a picture of a buck, and they're like, okay, that buck's on this trail camera. And that's usually the last they think of it. But if you actually like dissect that trail camera and if you, if you got like a deer cache or you pull up your weather stations and you look at all these variables, like wind, your pressure, and you do all that with these trail camera pictures, there's a reason that buck was on that trail camera, pick that trail camera for a reason. It could be time period. Like obviously in the summer, in my experience, the bucks don't do as normal stuff as fall. Maybe it's because, their testosterone is so low or maybe it's just because they know there's not hunting pressure they got old but i think that's one of the things i started doing i think two years ago was like getting all my my shooter bucks or the bucks that i was interested in and then putting putting them on like a uh i don't know what it is like a spreadsheet with like like the wind direction the the moon the pressure and doing all that stuff i don't know if you've done that but once you do that and you have it all in a line it's like okay there's definitely some correlation when he's going by this trail camera at this time with this wind. You know what I mean?
1: No, for sure. I've never been a big moon guy. I've, I've tried to dabble in it. Um, yeah, I've I have never been real...
0: with it either. This year I'm going to pay attention to the red moons just because I've been talking to a lot of guys who are diehard about it, but yeah, me either.
1: I, one thing, the one moon I know that affects the year greatly, and I see it out in the Midwest. I've seen that in the West Coast and the East Coast. Is the Harvest Moon the brightest moon of the year? Yep. That that I notice a lot of gear feeding all throughout the night, and they're not moving in the afternoon. They're moving, you know, pretty late into the morning. Um, that I do notice. That's the one moon I notice. But uh, pressure, pressure is a huge thing. I I'll, I'll hunt even if conditions are bad. I'll hunt because I have so many different sets that I'll find the right condition in one of my sets. But um, pressure is my big thing. I mean, I live or die by some pressure sometimes, uh, in some areas, um, you know, you get a real high pressure day and, you know, you could have an incredible sit, you know, maybe a high pressure with a front moving in and, mm-hmm. you know, that could really turn around your season in just a few minutes. It truly can.
0: So, one of my, um, one of my favorite, honestly, all times of year, early season, mid season, last year was my first early, like, early, early season. But rain, I'm a big rain guy, man. Like, if you can get in there, say there's rain moving in right at the end of the evening or that night, or you're sitting in there right when rain stops, dude, there's just something about rain. Like, that pressure system that's rolling in, like you were talking about. I've just seen some great bucks, like, even sitting in the rain a few times. Like, if it's raining hard, I'm obviously not going to sit in it. Like, I ain't that diehard. I'm not sitting in soaking wet. But if you can, like, if it's not a crazy rain and you can sit through it and already be in a good spot when that rain stops, dude, something magical about rain.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, so, I'm not a big rain guy, believe it or not. Um, yeah. My dad has killed a ton of deer in the rain. I mean, yep. he has killed a ton of giants in the rain. But I'm not a big rain guy. I am a big pressure guy, though, which, you know, a lot of times comes with rain, snow, fronts. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But I, rain for me, I just, I'm going to be completely honest with you, and it's going to sound bad. Um, And for anyone that knows me, they know that I'm still a diehard, even though I say this. (laughs) I just don't like getting wet. I'm going to be honest with you. I do. Hunting is about comfortably, you know, being comfortable and being confident. And when when it's raining, I'm always second guessing my equipment, you know, when something's wet, is it going to work the same? And, you know, I'm uncomfortable. My confidence is going down and don't get me wrong. I killed deer in the rain, but there's just something that, you know, you just, you get a, an uneasy feeling about the rain sometimes. And, you know, that's not for everyone. A lot of people get, you know, jacked when it starts raining. Um, (laughs) That's just not me though. And I'm going to be honest, like I said, it's more just because I don't want to get wet, but um you know, if you're gonna tell me, I'm, I'm, you know, I gotta. If cameras are showing me that a big buck's gonna, you know, best chance of being killed in the rain, you could, you could bet your bottom dollar. I'll be out there in a in a in in superstorm Sandy if I have to. I mean, it don't matter to me, but I yep. just tend to notice a lot of my sponsor in swamps and stuff like that. So I don't really. The rain doesn't always work well in my favor. So it just yeah. depends on the day. But you said something really um, interesting before about the trail cameras. I'm a big trail camera guy. I'm a huge trail camera guy. And it has nothing yep. to do about with what I'm seeing because I could see I can see a big rub or a big scrape and know that there's a big deer in the area. I don't need to see a picture because, honestly, whatever whatever gets me going is what I'm going to shoot. And I don't yep. care what social media says. I don't care what anyone says about it. Um, I'll shoot whatever that makes me happy, but it's more of, a, um, it's more of the exactly what you said, being able to pattern a deer and, and get them, get the timing correct and figure out the, again, like you said, the why's. And so that's what my trail cams are really, really used for. And of course, you know, we, we live in a, we live in a social media world. We live in a, in a content yep. creation world. So don't get me wrong. The cameras are great content. They're awesome to see. I love checking them out and all that. But they just don't always work in your favor. Trail cameras are not an – they're a great tool. They're not an end-all, be-all. All All trail cameras are are just a tool. It's just like out in Jersey you can use bait. And bait is a great tool if you know how to use it. Now, if you go out and you go put 100 pounds of corn out underneath an oak tree, well – You'll get pictures of deer, but, you know, them big mature deer, they know that that's not natural. Yep. So, you got you to gotta pick and choose your battles with your tools. And, you know, putting out 100 trail cameras on a property, sure, you'll know it. But if you're not looking at the, the, the correct things to be looking at, then the trail cams don't matter. They're nothing but pretty pictures. That's all, that's all they are. So you got to put them in the right areas and you have to know what you're looking at. And just like you said, you know, when that big buck cruised through October, you know, on the quote unquote, October low and, you know, the 14th of October, why did he cruise through there? Oh, well, the pressure's high, super high pressure. We got a front came in and, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta look more past the picture. It's great to see him, but that should only be a notification that he's alive. You know, because that's not the reason why he's there. He's not just stopping by to say hello. He's there for a reason. So you got to figure that out. Brings you back to the why.
0: And I got something for you. I know you're a big trail camera guy. You've been hunting for a while. One thing that I've, as years go on, that I find almost more important with the trail camera than anything is last year's trail camera data. Because deer, like you were saying at the very beginning of this, they're very... They're, they're predictable they're not but they are at the same time like i know with this property this is like year 10 hunting it and the deer moves through that same week of the rut more in that one week than any other time and that's just things like hunting the property or hunting a piece of public for multiple years it, it gets easier like your first year is by far going to be your hardest no matter where you're hunting it doesn't matter if it's a brand new private piece or brand new public piece you know what i mean so i think yeah it's right. extremely important like like last year, I, I slacked on my private piece because I was hunting public so hard, so I didn't have cameras on here much. But luckily, I knew it was like November 9th, I think, when my nephew shot his biggest buck. And I was like, these bucks are probably going to come through, cruise through here. It's like primetime rut. This is where the doe's bed. They're going to come cruise through here. Didn't have trail cameras much. I just put them out like that week from after I killed in Kentucky, I took some cams out. But just having that annual pattern where these bucks wanted to be on the property during that time frame that's basically the only reason we shot that buck.
1: Yeah, no. And, and I'm going to tell, you know, a quick funny story is that me and my buddy, we were hunting a private piece that we had when we were a little bit, a little bit younger, younger days before I moved to California, when I was uh, 17, 18. And, you know, I've hunted this piece for, you know, going on five years at the time. And every year between October 30th and November 4th, I would get, just between those times, there was nothing before or after, just between those days, I would get two different bucks that would come through. There was a piece across the street, and I think that's where they were coming from, but every year, a new buck would come through. And so I told him, I was like, man, you should should go sit one of these spots. I was like, one's going to come through. He's like, why would I do that? I got a good buck moving to my stand, you know, pretty often. I was like, yeah, but at night. So instead of you doing that, come through here, you're going to have a good chance at a buck. And he was like, there's no bucks there, though. And I was like, not yet, but do it. And he was like, no, no, no. Well, I went out there, and he was like, oh, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your time. I was like, man, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to put out a camera, and I'd be willing to bet the rest of my hunting season that you're going to have a really good buck. I'm going to have a really good buck move through this this part, right past this camera, at this time, in between those days. And I bet you he will be there every single day throughout that time period. Yes. And and it did, it happened. And I ended up um, my, I ended up sticking my father in there and he killed a great deer, 100, you know, 125 inch uh, eight pointer. And it was a new buck we never had pictures of before ever. And he just cruised through. And that was how that spot was. You just simply, you, you didn't have to know. It's just over the years of experience, where the does, once the foliage started coming down, the does started backing up further and further into the woodlot off of them fields and they just stayed there and it just happened to be that once they started moving back into the woods more it was around that time frame of bucks getting antsy for does, and they that's where they would come looking every single year and you know you will never find that out unless you walk and you collect data you know i have data from five six years ago still on some of my pieces And those deer are probably long gone, but Mm -hmm. it's the, it's the point of being, you know, there's always, it's almost like a wolf pack. When the alpha goes and he's gone, there's always someone to take his spot. When your biggest, most mature deer leaves the property or dies or whatever the case is, there is going to be another deer that takes his spot and he's going to do similar routines. So, you you know, all that information is just so important. You know, I got files and hundreds of thousands of pictures that to go off of and it sounds like a lot and then trust me it is a lot but it's important and if you want to be that next level diehard you know that we talked about that's what you you know some of the things you need to do and it's okay to not do those things it's okay to just go out and just enjoy the woods I tell I tell all my buddies listen you don't want to jump into that swamp I don't blame you but you can't be upset if you don't see nothing but a spike bar. That's what yep. you got to understand. So if you're okay with just getting some footage, then go sit here. You're not going to see a giant. You're just going to see some deer, but go sit here. If you're just looking to enjoy a nice sunset and see some deer, go there. And that's yep. okay. It's okay to do those things. But, you know. Uh,
0: yeah, you I know, like I'm that for a second. I like that you said that because this year on the property, uh, on my little 27-acre property, I keep talking about, Oh, there was two good bucks one buck died uh i was like i don't remember what it was it was in november i was sitting in the blind right on our creek and i look over as the sun comes up there's a dead buck sitting in there and thought it was a smaller buck Ended up dragging him out and it was a a big mature buck i called half tail because half his tail was gone he was not a good genetic buck at all he was like a six point but he was mature he was like five years old minimum i've had few, like two or three years history with him so i know he was like at least that old he died and then my nephew shot a really good three-year-old, like a buck. I would, he would have been such a good genetic buck, but it was by far his biggest buck. So I'm like, smoked that thing. He'd right when I walked out, didn't even hesitate that. But so we had two bucks leave. And I think that's a big part of these reasons that I'm having these, I got three decent bucks. Like they're still, they're later in their growth. Like I got a buddy, he, he lives about 20, 30 minutes away from here and it's a property I've scouted with him and helped him out with a lot. And he sent me two pictures. He just put a cell came out today, and two of his main shooters popped up. And they look like they're almost fully done growing. But then you come here, and my buck's tines are just starting to develop. But I think, like, I never really thought about that. I've heard it in the past couple years, but I'm I'm starting to think there's a lot of truth to it because he was a five-year-old buck. He wasn't a big genetic buck, but he was a good fighter buck. Like, a lot of these bucks that aren't giant genetic bucks, they're just, like, built to fight because their horns can lock up in between them bigger bucks. So – I'm excited to see with this rut. Like, two bucks are gone. So, two bucks, one buck, who knows, are moving in, you know?
1: Yeah, man. You want to see a crazy time in the woods? um, You, like, when I went out to Illinois and I shot my big 160, there was – I saw 26 bucks that day. It was the craziest day in the woods I probably – I'll probably never have another day like that. I probably, I really won't. It, it had nothing to do with me and everything to do with just the hunting gods, you know, smiling down on me that day. Was it like the
0: rut? Reason. Just have a good it hot was, dough everything, or something?
1: Everything, everything in the area was dead. And I had one hot dough in the area. Everybody else, <laughs> nobody else saw a single buck. My father yep. ended up shooting one a couple of days later, but he wasn't rotten. He was just on a pattern. But, you know, I had one hot doe come through. I saw 26 bucks. And, you know, I'd say majority, probably more than half were, you know, kind of smaller end deer for that area. But, I mean, I saw six or seven deer that all surpassed, you know, 140s. And mm-hmm. I killed one of the bigger ones, like, you know, the biggest frame deer for sure. It was a typical 160. And um, I when I killed him, they said the next day it was explosive. He said, you could hear bucks fighting from the road. Because they were there was just bucks chasing other bucks and going nuts to take that spot now and yep. so and, and you know I see it here too even in New Jersey you take out that mature buck, that next one's in line and he's looking to, to show everyone that he is the next one in line. so and that you know they're, they're just like people you know you walk into a bar with your you know with your woman and someone starts looking you know, everyone's going to get a little uptight. So, you know, yep. they're not much different. And I tell people that, and, you know, it's a, probably the one thing I hear the most is, man, you compare animals to people way too much. You give them too much credit. I said, so, first of all, you don't give animals enough credit. And second <laughs> of all, they ain't no different than, than people. They still got to get up. They got to eat, drink, feed, go to the bathroom, sleep. They do everything we do, you know, essentially. And so they deal with stuff different, do, like,
0: They have different personalities. Like one person can deal with somebody messing with them or you know what i'm saying a lot more than a lot of people it's just like that's one thing a lot of people overlook too is bucks have such different personalities like one buck can get bumped 10 times and they're like i'm gonna go right back there he ain't gonna do nothing to me but one other buck he's a little timid he's shy you bump him one time he might be two properties over for the rest of the season you know
1: and man this is why i love talking to you. you just get it you just get it you really do this is this is why this is such a great podcast yeah. <laughs> you really do
0: yeah man it's just it's it's crazy i think honestly i think one of the most important things that i've done is having this property for the past 10 years and it's so small it's 27 acres but it's not wide like i'm sitting out here on the back porch right now like you could aim a bow up in the air and shoot across like a wide, like the width of this property and hit the other side it's long but it's just having such a small property and yet to focus on such little things it's taught me so much you know
1: for sure. The, them smaller properties. So I had something similar. We were talking the other night on on uh you know on a live and um I had something similar. I had a nineteen uh acre property that we used to tell me and my father I was telling you about, and mm-hmm. you know, every single year there was two really good bucks, and there was always four or five good up and comers on top of the one or two you know, floaters that would move in throughout that time frame. Every single year. There was always that. Every year. Yeah. And we managed it really well, you know, not shooting small deer and, you know, doing the right things um, or doing the things that we preferred to do, maybe not the right things, but the things that we preferred to do. And, um, you know, it it was a tiny little piece. You couldn't go into it every single day, but we we hunted it smart, we hunted it hard. And I've also hunted pieces, you know, out in California that were 13,000 acres. Yep, And so they both teach you very, very valuable lessons in themselves where, you know, on a small piece, no matter how big or how small, a deer can get lost into it. A deer can yep. get lost into a one-acre plot just as easy as a 13-acre plot. So you got to know your property. And, and that's really what it boils down to. If you got a 10,000-acre piece, great, that's awesome. And that don't mean nothing if you don't know every stone in it. Yep, and that exactly. goes for – that goes for a small piece too you know i mean they both bring their challenges for yep. sure.
0: like on this small property dude it's like i'm not kidding one trail can make or break you like i'll have a camera i could put a camera on one single trail the whole year and not get a, a picture of a buck but i could move it on a different trail that's 50 80 yards away and that buck is the only or that trail is the only trail that that buck has taken throughout the whole year like a buck i shot two years ago homeboy my first whitetail bloodline buck, I have, it's like I'm saying, it's a small property, but he was only taking one trail to scoot through my property and I wouldn't get him and I finally moved a camera on this one little section and I started getting him regularly. So it's just wild, like little things like that, one little trail because like deer like humans, they get stuck in their own way. They're like, this path works for me. I've done it for three years of my life. I've never been shot. I'm going to keep doing it.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. No, that that's absolutely right. And you know, I mean, you don't always have to know the property, but if you're committed to a property, uh, you know a private piece you're twenty seven acres. you don't yep. have to know every stone unturned and you could probably you know i'm I'm just using that as an example you give me one week on that property. Mm-hmm. I, you know I might have a decent chance at a buck just like I, if oh, I okay. were to go hunt it out public land or or any other state just like I already do now um you know just by doing due due diligence and you know, Taking my time of e scouting and then, you know, maybe burning out of the five days, burning a day or two by just walking it. You, you know, I, I I'd be pretty confident on getting on one, but th- that that's if you're not. Season,
0: it's like time of year too. I think it's a huge importance too because I don't yeah, care if you have a good whitetail knowledge, you go there that first week of November, you got good odds of killing a buck. If you got slightly good whitetail knowledge, sitting on a funnel. But them guys that can kill these bucks in, like, early October or even middle of October, it's a whole different ballgame. I, I don't think I've ever killed a buck middle of October, not a, a good buck, maybe when I was younger. I've killed one real early October, kind of got lucky with that. I was in the right spot, don't get me wrong. But it's just – it's a whole different ball game than the rut, you know.
1: And uh, it's actually funny, because I know we're going to dive into that in a minute here, but um, that, the whole uh, moving around and the whole bumping dump thing, that's actually – helped me kill more bucks in the early season than it has any part of the season ever. No shit. I do I do more damage in the month of September to late October and then also in January, you know, late December and January than I do any part of the year.
0: I tell never everyone I'm a horrible away. rut hunter. Never even... I... Honestly that's wild. Yeah, I
1: tell everyone I'm a terrible rut hunter. Listen, if you're looking for a rotten deer <laughs> Don't call me. I'm going on vacation. There ain't no point of me being in the woods in the rut. And I hunted super hard every year, but I it's you know the rut for me is pretty tough. Hey, a lot I'm of people like that. I've it. heard.
0: I've heard. I'm just that's my bread and butter, bro. You put me first week of November. I'm probably gonna kill. Like if I'm not killing, I'm passing bucks waiting for a bigger buck. That's just like
1: I, I've always been yeah. a funnel
0: guy. And I think your dad's kind of similar, isn't he? Yes. Yeah,
1: so my dad's a, a sit and wait kind of guy. He really is, and. Me, last year, was probably a, one of my more fun rut hunts, um, you know, vacations in Jersey. You know, I I got to the point where I was just like, you know, I'm not a good rut hunter. So, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to make a ton of noise. I'm going to mm-hmm. jump on this public piece where I know I got, you know, three or four Pope and Youngs on it. And I'm just going to kind of trot through the woods a little bit, start grunting and making scrapes and all types of noise. And man, I had some awesome success. I had some awesome encounters where, you know, with deer I passed up on and um, I had a ball this, this rut. I had such yeah. a great time, but it, normally it ain't like that. And, but this year I took a different approach where I was just like, you know, I, I just tried it. I tried to do my dad's way and he'll kill a deer. But to me, it's just like, man, if you don't, it goes back to the confidence. If you don't feel confident in what you're doing, then yeah, it don't matter what you're doing. Know? I mean, if you don't feel 100%. confident, you're out of the game. So I 100%. I just don't – I don't always feel confident in that that time of the year doing that strategy. But I'm going to tell you, it goes back to the cameras. If the cameras tell me that, listen, this time of the year you need to be here just like, my old private property, then you can – like I said, you can bet your bottom dollar. That's where I'll be. Rain, yeah. shine, snow, you know.
0: <clears throat> that's, that's where i let's, let's dive into that. That bump and dump thing. I know that's a lot of people that it's, it's talked about quite a bit, and I actually have experience with it. It was my first year hunting public, and actually I actually had a successful thing doing it. So we'll talk about that too. But let's first off, like, why'd you start doing that? Like, where'd you hear about it?
1: <clears throat> so I'm a big DeQuisto guy. I've been fans mm-hmm. of Andre and Cody DeQuisto for a long time, um, for years now, probably ten years. I've been a big fan to them, and <clears throat> they. They don't only do that. That's not the only way that they kill deer. They're just killers. And, you know, the one guy, Cody, you know, I actually had the pleasure of talking to him at the Harrisburg hunting show. And we went over some awesome things. And he says all the time, he's like, you know, probably 70% of the season, I don't do that at all. He goes, it's Mm -hmm. that 30% that I do it is when I kill my big deer. He was like, it just, it's all very situational. And, you know, we got into it and all, but I – when I when the first time I heard that, maybe, I don't know, six, seven years ago, I heard that theory. I said, man, look at this idiot. What is he doing? And then he killed a deer. And then yep. I thought, ah well, you know what? Anyone could, anyone could go do that and kill a deer. And then he did it again. And then he explained what he was doing. And then he did it again. And then it, he did his, it again.
0: Adam would do it too, right? Wouldn't Andre yeah, do that, that?
1: Yeah. Yep, Andre and Cody. So it got to a point where I was just like, okay, you know what? I'm having a rough season. Um, in California. So, you know what? I'm going to try it with a mule deer. Because why not? I mean, it, I know it's different than a whitetail. But why not? Who cares? Yeah. And I bumped up a whitetail. Uh, a mule deer, sorry. Bumped up a mule deer. I saw where he went. And he started looking at me. I thought, like, he almost kind of angled his body. Like, he was mad that I I went to his spot.
0: So, I was yeah. like, yeah, I'm
1: just going to kind of sit here for a minute. He kind of went and he crushed the hill. I'm just going to sit here for a little bit. And I sat down and. Man, all of a sudden, he funneled right back in, and I ended up not being able to get a shot because of the train I was in. But he funneled right back in. I was like, "Man, that, that's crazy. That actually worked." And so I started I started dabbling in it, and uh, I've noticed that bucks. You know, if you've ever seen a dog, you know, get territorial over, you know, where they live or their food or something like that. They, there ain't no difference there. You know, even yourself as a person. If somebody walks into your house, you're not just going to pick up and leave. You know, you can't not not just anyone has the money to just, you know, if if there's a home break in or something that you're just going to pick up and leave. No, you just might be a little bit more on edge and eventually you'll go back to normal and you'll be easy again. But, you know, why does that have to be different with whitetails? Why not just walk into a bed on the right conditions and wait for them to come back?
0: Yeah, I, know, like that, I, I like that analogy. analogy. Say like, say you got a like a friend. Say you have a roommate or 100%. something. And they bring a friend over, and it, it's cool. You're doing your thing, but when they leave, you're checking things out. And I feel like a buck does that too. They're like, all right, he bumped. I'm gonna walk away. I'm gonna come back, but I'm gonna check it out pretty good to see what that is. Like you're gonna go, but did they steal something? You know what I mean?
1: Hundred percent. And and you know, I I I knocked it for the longest time. And man, some of the deer I probably would have killed. I I've come across some summer whitetails and. Some of the deer I probably would have killed if it, if I had known that, because they, like I said, it doesn't work for every situation, but you can, you can do it. And and it's okay. Like, you know, a lot of people get super upset when they see racks running away to me, I get a smile on my face. Cause in my mind, it's like, well, that deer is dead now. You know, that's, nope. <laughs> that, that deer is dead if I want him to be dead. So I kind of, I guess a long winded question where I first started doing it or where I first found out about it was, uh, you know, from the DeQuistos, and then I tried it the one time, and then I started getting into it. But, I mean, um, a lot of different scenarios and stories that I've been through where it's really uh, been successful for me. And, you know, yeah. we could if, – if you want, we could dive into that. But, I mean, there's it's, – uh, it's definitely a super useful tactic.
0: Yep. Let's dive into two stories. I can tell mine because it's a pretty quick one. Uh, I don't think I've told it over a podcast. We talked about it over the live, but it was like my first – first time like basically trying it so uh, we're hunting Kentucky it was our first day of rotation. we didn't know there was a time change that morning of our first day of rotation. so we wake up an hour later like we're driving there and like it didn't even hit us until we're like halfway on our drive to Kentucky I'm like dude it's getting light already then like it hit us like oh my god there was a time change so we're an hour behind so we're getting there the time we basically wanted to be like almost in a tree you know what I mean so I was like, all right, dude. I was like, there's this one part. And, and when I went there and scouted, it was summer. Super thick, river bottom, swampland. Like, I'm talking 8-foot, 10-foot tall weeds. But when we went in there in November, no weeds. Blew my mind. Like, the difference, because it was my first time being in there in the fall. Like, more of like, your when, when stuff starts dying. So I was like, Dylan, I was with my buddy Dylan. I was like, there's this CRP right here. I've never been on the other side of that CRP. I know they're bedding in it. We're going to walk right through it. We're going to make a giant ruckus, but we're going to go check this out because it's the middle of the primetime rut, and I know there's going to be deer over there. So we get through the CRP. Let's say it's 300 yards wide, real thick. We walk through like the grassy part where it's not a bunch of briars and trees, and right when we get to the end where it gets to the, like your bigger trees and it's kind of grassy, buck jumps up. I'm pretty sure it was a buck with like two or three does, and we we could actually see him. He runs, hits his bottom, hits up on this other little hill, grassy knoll, and turns back looks at us i'm like that's a big buck not like a giant buck but you could tell he's mature like big mature after having trail cameras out there for months after that he was the most mature buck on that that piece that i've had and he wasn't a giant buck like great buck i would have shot him but we're sitting there we sat there that morning close to where we saw and then i was like all right we're gonna we're done with our morning hunt let's go right where we saw that buck we go over there bunch of buck shit just like buck crap everywhere i was like all right he's coming in here I was like, there's no big giant trees. We're going to sit here. So last place we saw him, I was like, we're going to try the bump and dump. I said, same thing. I was like, I heard it from the DeQuistos and other people. Let's try it. So we go get some lunch. We come back there. Actually, I think we set up our tree stands that, that like, late morning. We put them in there. We dipped out. Left our, like, two sticks up and then two sticks off. We took our two sticks on the bottom. So somebody's going to steal it, they would have had to work for it a little bit. So we ended up getting there. We climbed in the tree. Both of us doing a double set. He's filming me. We sit there the whole evening. Sun's blaring on us. We don't see nothing. And then that, that golden hour, I see movement. I see a doe coming right down it, right where those those deer came from, or right where they ran off. So I was like, and just how she was moving. If, if you've been hunting long enough, you can kind of get a feel for, like, deer movement. I'm like, Dylan, I was like, there's a buck behind her, bro. I was like, that buck is right behind her. I'm telling you, not 30 seconds, a minute later, that buck comes on line. Looks like they're going to come because we're sitting on, like, the edge of a different CRP field, and there's, like, kind of a grassy – it's not a road or nothing, but it's just grass right on the edge. And I was like, they're going to follow that. I'm going to smoke them. They go right through the CRP. I mean, it's so thick. Like, it blows my mind a deer could walk through it. Short story, this buck comes to 35 yards in that CRP and just couldn't get a shot at him. And that was my first time really ever doing a bump and dump, and it worked to a T, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean just to get one <clears throat> within thirty-five yards, I mean, is incredible. Um, the first time I did it <clears throat> well, on the East Coast for White Belts, I you know, I, I wasn't paying attention to the wind, I blew it I blew I blew the whole area So like the first thing I'm gonna say to your to your listeners is man, if you're gonna do it and and it, you know, it's the first time of you doing it, two two major factors here of of the success for it is a you can't be scared to walk into where you know they're betting mm-hmm. but you have to pay attention to the wind the wind the thermals to all of it you have to pay attention you have to be what i like to say and i'm sure i know you've heard me say it a million times but you have to be surgical
0: yeah because yep. you're
1: not just going out hunting you're not you're you're being surgical is what you're doing and um, so i guess like because I, I got a lot of stories of it um like, I guess, I guess two real quick ones was, like, the one I did, I, I was super, super going crazy over a buck, and I knew right where he was, and where he was was in this little bowl. Um, it dropped down, like, 30 feet, and there was one way in, one way out, really, and all the way around him. It looked almost like a stadium, like, it just dropped down. And there was like a little creek that ran through that, like, gave, uh, like, kind of just had like a little input in that bowl that allowed him to enter and exit. And it was a swamp. And so, the first time I go over that, as soon as I got to the top, he saw me. And I think it's because my thermals were just pulling straight into that.
0: Yes, and he had the water. there, right?
1: He had the water for the thermals. He had the water to live on. He had the skyline advantage. As soon as you came to the top, I mean, it's a lot easier to see that. And so mm-hmm. when I first busted him out, I was like, man, that's crazy that he's in here. And so the surgical aspect came to it was we had a very warm winter this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so in my eyes, I was like, huh, what I'm going to do is as it's getting warm and my thermals are pulling up, that's when I'm going to go in. So I'm not going to go in there until like eight o'clock in the morning. And yep. he should be filing in there right around 10. And so it just like that. I mean, I got in the stand around seven thirty. not a deer in there. Um, and right around nine 10 o'clock, man, that buck falling right through and he had no idea because the wind protected me because that was his only fault was that the thermals were how it was, you know, warm day, you know, 70 degree day. And, 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 October or sorry, uh, 70 degree day in December, you know, that the thermals were pulling up. And Mm -hmm. so in that bowl, that wind couldn't get there. So my, my, my thought process was you got to slip in there in daylight. You got to slip in there as it's getting hot and he's going in to cool off and the thermals are pulling up and that's at his most vulnerable time. And it worked. And he came right in, he was 50 yards away. I drew back on him and the cattails just got in my way. I had a small window. I kind of waited for a better window, and he just kind of kept cruising through, dropped down into uh, some water, and that was the end of that. He didn't He didn't get back up for a better part hey, of the day.
0: But it worked though. So right.
1: It, in my eyes, it was like, you know what? That's crazy, because the last time I tried this, he picked me up 100 yards away before I... No, I'm right here. You got me? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me?
0: Yep, yep you're good.
1: So I, I, in my eyes, it was well that absolutely worked because, you know, even though I didn't kill him the last time I went in there, it was he he picked me off 150 yards away. And I didn't even get to go into the bowl. This yep. one, he didn't have a single clue I was there. He was at his most vulnerable spot, and then <clears throat> it brings me to my other story, which don't doesn't you know that's a surgical story. Oh yeah, and this next one is a little bit more kind of running gun, which I told you the other day, and, and you were like, man, I can't believe that worked. But, I, you know, I, I challenge you to try it because it will work. And this one mm-hmm. is probably one of the more effective ways I like to think of it. Man, I really wanted to go hunt a new spot, a spot I never hunted before. And I wanted to prove a point to somebody that, you know, you could go on to a new piece and you could learn enough from e-scouting to be in the game. And that's what I did. So I scattered for a day or two on uh, this spot. And I jumped in, I said, well, if there's a buck here, that's where he's going to be. So I jumped yeah. in with my bow at, you know, noon and I bumped up this good buck. And, and my thought process was so quick going into it. I was like, you know, if I kick one up, I'm going to run at him because what does every deer do? You know, a hundred yards away from where they get spooked, they stop and they look back to see what well, just kicked them up. And So as soon as I kicked him up, I started kind of jogging at him and I guess he could hear me enough because he started, he just kept going. He crossed the top of the hill without ever looking back at me. And maybe two hours later, that buck came back down, Um, you know, kind of three quarters of my wind, just not enough. And I have video footage of him walking, you know, 15 yards in front of me Mm -hmm. that, you know, two hours later after doing that and you know, that's one of those things where you got to think about, you know, I, I, who's ever listening, try it, go walk out into the woods, kick up a deer and then stop and look what he does. Most deer stop within a hundred yards, usually like 60, 70 yards. and they look back so they can see what just kicked them up. See if they should come back or they shouldn't. But deer are very yep. curious animals. You kick them up and they don't know what you are. They'll, they're going to come back. They're going to come back pretty soon to, to see. Cause again, we go back to that point of, That's their home and they ain't gonna leave their home unless they absolutely have to.
0: So Okay, with you saying that I got I got a good question with you to interrupt. Like so do you think it's more important like just like bumping them and getting them to jump up without knowing exactly what you are? Or do you think it's more important just like making quite a bit of noise and then they're like, All right, this dude's just an idiot, I'll be back later.
1: No, so I thought about that too, and I've tried both. But um I've, I've found that making the noise doesn't really help if you're trying to trying to really get in there because there's a difference between walking on, you know, just a regular walking path in the woods and, you know, mm-hmm. like everyone else does. And, you, you know, you can make your noise there. It actually benefits you to make your noise there on that public land where, you know, on the walking trails because that's normal to deer. Yep, um, yep. Once you start walking on those trails sneaky, you know, they're going to know something's up. But the difference is, is that most beds aren't on those walking trails. So, you know, anything going into that bed, they're already kind of on alert. So yep. that, you know, you do want to, you do want to be smart. You're not running through the woods. It's not like speed scout, but you're, you're, you're very observant. You're walking, you're kind of taking your, you know, a little bit of time and you're being smart about it because if you go too fast, they are going to pick
0: up on that cadence yep. and they are okay. going to
1: figure out eventually what you are by just walking.
0: Okay. I got a good one for you. yesterday when I put that camera up and I, I can't remember if we were talking on that pre-podcast or during the podcast, I put that uh, cell camera up, moved it 45 minutes later, one of my bigger bucks walks through, but I just remembered this. Um, so I walk in there where that trail at where the cameras face and I walk up into it a little bit. I did some hinge cuts just to see what it looks like with all the growth and and all that and I end up walking up and then I walk back down and then right where I get back to that spot where I put that camera a deer jumps up 25 yards from where I set that camera but it waited until I walked back and I've noticed that a lot so would that be a situation say you're walking in kind of quiet like I wasn't being loud or nothing I was by myself and that deer jumps up it didn't jump up like crazy I could see it running off would that be a situation even in that where he knows for a fact you're a human would you still do a bump and dump
1: so you, see, you actually see that exact situation a lot, especially in Jersey or any high-pressure area, where you see, um, you know, a lot of deer. I tell my wife all the time, if they, don't, if they don't know what you are, they are not going to run out and bust out of there if they don't yeah. know what you are. And, and that's, the, that's the whole truth. If I've if posted videos of me walking right past them. The only time they get up to go is when you stop.
0: Yep, um, yep. And so, hey, he, did, he did jump up. I did stop. I, now that you say that, I did stop, and I was just sitting there looking. Because when I'm at a truck hammer spot, I'll sit there for like five minutes, like, what's the best tree? And as I yeah, sit there yeah. looking around, that's when he jumped. Or, I, honestly, I think it was a buck. I really do.
1: So when I, like, I come across that a ton, especially in Jersey. What I do is that, you know, it goes back to your due diligence. You figure mm-hmm. out where the betting is. Because if you just walk aimlessly in the woods, you might end up walking downwind of that bed. And, and no matter how good you think you are at bumping and dumping, um, you walk downwind of that or upwind of that bed and they get your wind into that bedroom, you're done. Like don't yep. step back on there for a couple weeks because it ain't going to happen. Like,
0: And it was actually the first time I've ever jumped up a deer in that exact spot. I've jumped deer up 50 yards from that in multiple different directions, but where that deer was, have never thought a deer was bedding there. And that's why it was bedding there.
1: Yeah, 100%. 100%. And I see, like I said, I see that a lot. In Jersey. I really do. And it's, it's one of those things where you just got to know your spot. Like you got to yeah. know where that bed is and where the wind's going and just walk into it. And kind of, you know, I, what I do, my big thing is that I actually walk with a cadence. That almost kind of sounds like a deer. You know how I like to have them four legs, you take a step, and then you kind of click on the back take a step and they kind of click with the other foot. So I, I actually step and then I drop my heel. So I step to my mm-hmm. toe and then I drop my heel. Once I start getting close yeah. and then I'll stop for five minutes and then I'll keep going. And then I'll take, mm-hmm. you know, 10, 15 steps and stop for only two minutes and keep going. I don't ever let myself become patternable because if I ever go and try and do it again, they're going to know. They're just yeah. going to know. So that's that's the route that I take with that. I don't know if that that answers that question or not. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's definitely the route that I take. But I mean, just don't be afraid. Just get in there and do it. Because you know what? Like, and this is where me and my dad disagree. He truly believes that if you just give it enough time, you know, something will come up of it. And sure, it happens for him every year. That's a hundred percent sure. Um, mm-hmm. I've always been a make your own luck kind of guy. So
0: yep, I love to me it's that. like, well yep.
1: Yeah. And, and you know what? Some people may be lucky, but I believe there's no better luck than making your own. So and, yeah. in my eyes, you just, you know, sometimes when, you know, as bad as it gets and, you know, you're under the pressure of trying to get into a spot and get on a certain deer all this time and, you know, it gets to you, it starts breaking you down. So change it up, you know, go for a walk because obviously all the other stuff ain't working. So Get, you know, give something new a try. Go to a piece of public land that you don't care nothing about, and just go try it. Gain the confidence in it.
0: Yep. Now that you say that, that's I. I don't even think I brought it up. This is one thing I wanted to bring up. If I haven't, I think that's one of the most important things you can do as a whitetail hunter. Each and every year is getting out of your comfort zone.
1: And, and you know what? I'm going to tell you, it made me cringe the first time I did it.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. And,
1: and it kills you because all you're told your whole life by your grandpa and, and his red flannel is, "Hey, you bump him up, he's done. You know, he's leaving. He's gone. You know, your day's over. Go back to the house." But that's not the case all the time, and and you know what? It's not going to work all the time. It's really not. But those big dominant bucks will come back, and you know those little dinks might not. They might that yep. just might be too sketchy for them. But a big dominant buck is just like a, a man in his home. And, yep. and, you know, that's one thing you don't mess with. You're not walking to another man's home uninvited.
0: So he'll
1: come back
0: and you just got to believe in it. Yep. And that's, that's the thing, man. I think that's what puts us on a different level than like our fathers is we pay attention more to the details and we don't get stuck in our own ways. Like I know a lot of them old timers, like my dad's that way. He sings and then he's like, that's like stuck. He's like, that's the way it is. And me, doing all this study and doing all these podcasts, doing all these, like, land management. And I'm a big believer in trying things. Like, don't get me wrong. I listen to everybody. I listen to podcasts, YouTube videos. And I pay attention to what everybody's saying. But I try it myself. Like, I don't take anybody's word. I don't care if you're, like, give a shout-out to, like, some Don Higgins or all these big, big butt killers. Like, I listen to what they're saying, but I don't take it as gold. Like, just because you say it doesn't mean it is what it is. It could be a different area. It could be more pressure no pressure blah 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 but that's just like one thing that like that's this new generation of hunters is they're just so detailed oriented and i think that's why there's been so many big bucks killed these
1: past even five years
0: past five years have been a giant giant like just like bell curve of big bucks dying
1: and and more people are trying to, to focus on those big bucks that's what's cool and a really yep. good listen. Um, I forget the name of the podcast, but I'm sure if you type it in, you'll be able to see it. It's on Tarif's uh, Blue Line Bow Hunting's page. Um, Adam Hayes, who's a very conservative sit tight yep. kind of guy, um, part of Team 200, uh, and yep. Andre mm-hmm. Cristo, who oh, is a move run a running gun and it's I a haven't mission, listened to the podcast. There you go. Yeah, I haven't listened to it yet. But I'm I'm waiting. I'm I'm trying to wait for a day where I have not a whole lot going on. I can listen to it two or three times because that one, that one is going to be a really good one. And those are two polar opposite guys that do things polar opposites but have the same outcome. So it's whatever works for you. Just because it works for me or works for you, you know, and you know, just because we both you know, we're both gonna tag out on booners in Kentucky this year
0: doesn't mean it's
1: gonna work for everyone, but You know what? If you're in a slump, you know, that's the definition of insanity. Doing the same exact thing, expecting a different outcome. So if you're just going to go to the same exact stand and get more and more frustrated, the only thing you're going to do is burn yourself out and start, you know, not enjoying it. So try something new because why not? The other stuff ain't working, so you might as well.
0: Hey, and I'll say about Kentucky. You know, you saw the buck I shot last year. Good buck. There is For sure. He's a
1: stellar buck. You're too humble.
0: Yeah, he was great, but especially for my first year hunting public land. But I had a camera that was soaking in a honey hole, and then I pulled it after I killed him. And there's two or three bucks that were bigger than him that I had no idea were even in there. It was only on that one camera. I never got pictures of them in any other spots. But dude, there's gonna there's gonna be some good bucks, man. I'm telling you, we we we'll we'll see we'll see early season. But dude, there's honestly I would say there's definitely a chance of a booner. There was I got I'd say one booner on camera last year for sure, maybe two.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, no, I mean, we're we're fixing to get into it down there for sure.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm excited. Early season, like, last year was my first year diving into it, and I'm not even going to lie, I was kind of a pansy about it. Like, where I knew I needed to be, I knew I was going to get soaking wet with that early morning dew going back there. But this year, I'm going to figure it out, and we're going in there. You know what I mean?
1: A hundred percent. No, I'm, I'm super pumped. I'm super excited, and I can't wait to share that with everyone else. It's going to be a great, you know, a great time. It mm-hmm. really is. Mm-hmm. For
0: sure, it's and
1: you know it's gonna be a learning curve for me. I mean, I, I know swamps pretty well, but I ain't never hunted Kentucky before, so it's definitely gonna be a learning curve.
0: This is a weird area, bro. It is agland swamps, like from where the swamp is. Agland's only a few hundred yards. It's a it's a weird area, bro. I've never been in an area like it. It's cool. It's a cool area.
1: And 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 that brings you you know brings us back to what you said. Get out of your comfort zone. I've never hunted you know agland swamp like that before, but you know what, like. I'm not worried about it. It's it has no bearing on me being worried. It's more mm-hmm. of a I'm I'm excited to dive into it because it's like, oh well, I've never hunted that. Why wouldn't I not want to hunt it? I mean, I, I hunt big woods and swamps and fields all the time. Why would I not want to go hunt an Agland swamp? Like that's awesome to me. And some people shy away from stuff like that. But you know what? That's where you cross that level, that in factor level of yep. getting out of and your I, comfort zone.
0: And I like it because it's them ags. It's just, it's a little more patternable. These deer are obviously bedding in the swamps and their destination food source is right there. It's like, there's, they're kind of surrounded, but where we'll be hunting, they're going to be heading one direction every night. You know what I mean? They're going to be heading to those fields. So we'll see, man. Like, well, I got a couple cameras. I got one camera. It's out there, it hasn't been gonna get a bunch of pictures. I got one that's dead. I'm gonna replace some batteries and add one or two more cell cameras. It's
1: it's gonna be a it's gonna be a grand old time. I'm I'm pumped for it. I gotta um we gotta set up a date coming up here soon in July and August to uh to get out over there and I'll come down for a weekend, you know, spend a night or two and we'll we'll dive into them properties and really get into it.
0: Yep, for sure. And I don't know if I broke up for a second. My girlfriend called me.
1: A <laughs> uh, little bit, but I, I I caught up just about everything you were saying.
0: Yep. So, dude, I'm excited, man. Uh, I don't know how long we've been going since we've had to, to end it a time or two with technical difficulties, but let's, <laughs> let's do a couple of last thoughts because, I mean, me and you can keep talking forever. I'm going to have to get you on here again. I want to get some of your guys on your squad, too. So, uh we can get some last thoughts and I definitely want you to shout out the homies, shout out what you, you're you doing and everything.
1: Yeah, I mean you know, just like a, a I guess a couple last things for the listeners. I mean, <clears throat> you know, we talked about some pretty intense ways in here. Like don't be afraid for one. Don't be don't you know don't be afraid to break out of your comfort zone. If it makes you feel better, dive into a spot you don't care about. Just do it, you know, because break the cycle. You, you know, and and that might not always work for everyone, but at the very least, you'll have fun doing it. For one, be confident and uh, don't be afraid. And and you know, we talked about it at the very beginning. You know where you came from. Don't ever forget that either. You know, if you if you guys still have your dads around and you know whoever brought you up into hunting your grandfathers, or whatever, you know, give them a call. Make sure you thank them for that because this is this is why we do it. You know, this is this is where where we all started. So make sure you guys. Uh, you know, be kind to others and, and, and be courteous to others. And, you know, you're thanking whoever got you into this, because that's the only reason why we're all here.
0: 100%. Yep. I love that, man. It's just, just be kind, man. Be good to people. If somebody reaches out to you, help them out. Like don't be a guy that's like, cause a lot of it, I'm in trades. I did electrical work right now. I'm doing like landscaping work, but I'm like, I run a like heavier machinery, not big machinery, skid steers, mini excavators and stuff. But a lot of the old-timers didn't want to teach you stuff, really, it seems like. More so, like, my, I worked with my brother, and he'd tell me that. And, like, them old-timers, like, oh, this is my way. I've learned this. I'm not going to teach nothing, which I think it's getting better people are trying to help each other out. And somebody reaches out to you, man. They're reaching out for a reason. Help them out. You ain't got to tell them, like, your, your secret honey hole, but just, just try to help people out. And that's one thing I'm trying to do at the Whitetail Bloodline is bring everybody together, you know. And uh, it's just. If we fight against each other in any way, like people are trying to take down hunting like as, as quick as they can, the P to haters, blah, blah, blah. So we got to stick together. don't matter if you shoot a crossbow, you shoot a gun, you shoot a bow. We're all doing this for the same, same reason. We got different goals, but we all have for hunting. So we all got to do it. Take care. 100%. Of each
1: other. And yeah, that, that's what I was going to say. You know, that's how I, I try to end all my podcasts, as you know, and um, I, I try to tell everyone, you know, there's, there's nothing cool about being a bully. You know, if someone's looking mm-hmm. for help, they're, they're looking for it for a reason. Don't shame people, man. You know, I see too many people getting shamed on it yep. on Instagram and, and all over, you know, don't shame on anyone for shooting a crossbow and don't shame on anyone for shooting a small deer. I mean, you you don't know what they're going through. You don't know what their, their situation is. And, you know what? Maybe they just want to do it because they want to, and they've earned that. It, they they've bought the license, they paid the money for it. They're allowed to do it. So as long as, it's of course, legal. But you know, yeah. don't don't be shaming people. Just let people live and do what they want. And if somebody's chasing a 200-inch deer, let them. Don't knock them for it. And someone shoots a spike, great. You know, be happy for them because, like you said, we got way too enemies out, and it's way too many enemies out in this world. You know, the the more we fight with each other, the less we can help you know, bring those other people down, the real, the real crazies out there.
0: Yep. And it's, it's hard to reach out, man. It's hard to be a person where you're like, I'm not good at this. I need help. So if somebody does it, the least you could do is try to help them. You know?
1: Yeah. And you know what, that's a hard part for me. It was a super not easy thing for me to do. I mean, I reached out to you and it took me a week, you know, yeah. to, just to, just to bring it up, just to be like, Hey man, you want to, you know, just sit and talk with whitetails one day. And, you know, not, not that I do it better than you or you do it better than me. I shoot bigger bucks than you. You shoot bigger bucks than me. It's more of just that, well, you know what, man? Like, you're from Indiana. I'm from Jersey. Let's talk. Let's just have a deer hunting conversation. Why not?
0: And it's yep. uh,
1: it's blossomed into something pretty cool. 100%
0: dude. I'm, I'm excited. I love talking to you. And uh, it just, I'm super excited to hunt with you. It's going to be awesome.
1: For sure. And I mean, if anyone wants to follow along, I mean, My uh, my handle on Instagram is Diehard Outdoors. Um, you know it. it, Um, it's it's nothing crazy. You're not gonna see you know, you're not gonna see no world records up there all the time. But you're gonna see everything that I can possibly do to give you to help you get better and to entertain you. So if you if you're just looking for a blue collar guy that does this and is ate up by it, then come on by and come come give me a look. And any questions, like I tell everyone, if you ever have a question. I, I may be busy. I work long hours, but I will always try and answer every question in a, in a mannerly time.
0: Yep, hundred percent. That's what I like about you, man. We're blue collar. <laughs> we we got jobs and family first, and then hunting comes. Like, don't get me wrong, we love it more than anything, but uh, there's stuff you got to take care of before that. And that's the difference from us. From a lot of these guys, like a lot of these guys, like I'm, I'm legit not even calling anybody out. But a lot of people got like mommy and daddy money, where they're like, hey, I'm gonna give you thirty grand to go chase your drink nothing wrong with that that's awesome you're in the space to do that but we're not we got to work for everything we do you know
1: 100 percent. everything you see is one sweat and tears between me and my wife uh building it you know she's she's my rock she really is she's she's gotten me to where getting this far you know i'm a caveman when it comes to this technology stuff so (laughs) you know she she's gotten me and and that's what it's all about it's all about the family and, and you know doing it together building a community
0: yep that's exactly. I love that man, and uh, yeah, it's gonna be a good year, honestly, with the bucks I got on my property, the bucks I'm seeing, I think this might be a record breaking year, bro I really do
1: I hope so, man, you're gonna have a stellar year, you just like I always tell you, you got that it factor you're you're one of them guys, it'll never go away for you you'll be you'll be there till, till the end of days for sure,
0: yeah, and I tell this to people all the time, like like i'm a person- I'm a confident person, but I've earned my confidence, you know what I mean, I've been yeah, doing same. that. I've had a YouTube, I've been doing a hunt YouTube for 11 or 12 years, and I've had this passion forever. Like, I've got a lot of buddies that'll reach out to me and, like, say comments to me, and it, it don't really bother me when people say comments to me, but, like, I'm just the type of person, I remember everything. I remember, like, people, when they got their start, when they started getting serious about stuff, I've been doing this for, like, I've been hunting solo for 18 years, you know what I mean? There's, yeah. there's not very many guys that are 29 years old that can say that. So everything I do, it might not be what you do, but everything I do is learning from others and then putting it into firsthand experience. And I think that's extremely important.
1: 100%, man. That's, you know, that, that's why I, I came to you and, and I, I enjoy your page and I enjoy talking to you because, you know, it, it's the real deal. And yep. the real deal doesn't always consist of shooting 200-inch deer. You know, sometimes the real deal is just being smart and having the knowledge
0: that's what you got, man, for sure. And, and I do my page a little different. I do my page that's like, one reason I do the page the way I do it, and honestly, one reason I started hunting public from going back a little bit, is nobody can give me shit. Like, you can't say I wasn't working. You can't say I wasn't doing something. Because every week, you're seeing exactly what I'm doing. If it's wrong or I'm messing up, you're still seeing it. So mine's yeah. kind of like, it's, my page is it's basically like a personal blog, but more of like, you know what I mean?
1: Hundred percent man, that's why I love it. You're killing it. You truly are.
0: Yep. You too, you man. Really I'm are. excited. Uh I need to get with you and all the guys, man. Give a shout out to the your group and everything. Can't forget about yeah, those. guys I mean, love Yeah, them too. of
1: course. They're they're I mean, great guys, some great guys. And you're gonna see some crazy stuff from uh, from all the boys up in New Jersey. Uh definitely boondocks hunting with Mike and uh yep. Justin Devlin, uh Devlin outdoors. I mean them guys they them them guys are those guys are stone cold killers for sure. Um yeah you know, they got uh, Bradley out in uh Buckeye Brothers him and his brothers out yep. in Ohio and PA I mean those, them guys are killers and you know of course you got the real savages down in Texas with uh, Tarif with Blue Line
0: oh, I my mean, Atlanta yeah yeah di- different breed them 200 guys man one I'm in my one white tail career will you know nice. what I'm saying yeah. like I'm just not in the spot where I'm searching for a 200 inch deer I'm in the spot where I'm just just figuring it out. You know what I mean? I'm just starting diving dive into public. I don't want to go. I just don't got the time, bro. I really don't. I don't got, like, I got more time than the average guy. Don't get me wrong. But I just don't have the time to be searching for 200 this year. I want to find a piece that I like and then try to kill that top 10% buck. That's my goal where I'm at in my career right now.
1: 100%. I mean, I, you know, I, I said it the other night. I've been saying it for a couple months now. And I mean it. You know, I'm, I'm chasing a state record out here. And, uh, you know, we might be on something, but. We're we're still waiting to see, and you know, it has nothing to do with inches. And it's just bringing that 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 next factor into it. It's something that I've I've always dreamed of, and it's more of a, a dream than it is uh, than it is a, a goal. You know, if that makes sense.
0: Yep, yep. And you got to have goals, man. I think that's honestly one of the most important things. Is going into a season, like write your goals down. Like what you want to do. Like my goal is to kill three bucks this year. I'm not. I don't care if it's with three bucks with a bow. I would love to. But uh, if I have to break out the rifle, I'm going to bring out the rifle, along the whitetail bloodline, and not the bow hunting whitetail bloodline. White bow hunting yeah. is my biggest passion, but sometimes you got to bring
1: out a gun. Hundred percent, brother. Hundred percent. I love it, man. I'm I'm going to keep up with it, all of it, and uh, we're going to talk real soon here.
0: Yes, sir. I appreciate you hopping on. Everybody, check him out. Andrew's the man. Love what you're doing, and uh, we'll stay in touch like always, brother.
1: Always, pal. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much for having me on.
0: Yes, sir. Have a good night.
1: You too, pal. Bye.